We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the DFS Podcast Friday edition for this weekend's NFL games. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and I'm joined, as always, by my usual Friday partner, John McKechnie, who's a great follow at Johnny McKex. We are coming to you today with our Week 2 preview. We want to continue to assist your prep for the second week of the NFL season, and focus will be on the kickers today, as well as latest news, and, of course, our own lineups for FanDuel plays this weekend. We also want to go through last night's box score, and uh, John, I got plenty to say about this because uh, the Ryan experiment in, in Buffalo may be drawing to a close. Rob Ryan is a guy that should be coming under fire, though, because this guy on three different teams has led them to the bottom of the standings in terms of team defensive stats. He did it in Dallas, he did it in New Orleans, and now the Bills find themselves down there after last night's debacle to, uh, to underscore the inefficiency there. It's a terrible unit, and, and it used to be not too bad. So uh, the Ryans are under fire. No, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, you know just some discussion with, with uh, some friends and I, 
we were just wondering aloud, you know, is Rex the first coach to get canned this year? And uh, in a year where there's a few coaches on the hot seat, it seems like his is definitely the hottest right now because that, that team, you know, and I know you said that the, it's a bad unit right now, but I mean, if you look at the, the names alone, they got players pretty much at every level. Um, so for, for them to be this underwhelming uh, thus far this season, uh, starting out 0-2, we all know that's, uh, that can be kind of like a death sentence for, for a team's playoff chances. I think you know, maybe only 12 team, or 12% of teams have made the playoffs after starting 0-2 in, under, the recent, uh, under the new playoff format. So uh, that, that's definitely not looking up uh, for, the, for the Bills right now. And you know, if they can't play defense, uh, I mean, I think the Jets' offense is improved, obviously, but uh, yeah, if they can't play defense at all, um, that offense is is such a mess. Uh, they they really need their defense to kind of bail them out. Yeah, John, I wasn't slagging on the Bills' defensive personnel by any means. I'm just giving this guy all the credit for for the poor numbers across the board. I share your assessment. The Bills aren't necessarily as bad as they've shown on defense the last two weeks, but I just wonder if this guy's scheme is such a gambling type thing where they take too many chances. That's my assessment in watching him in two other environments where they were a gambling type defense and, and they, they gave up a lot to, to, to take those chances, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And in terms of the raw numbers though, there were some big performances. We look at the quarterbacks. Fitzpatrick was 24, 34 with three, a whopping 337, 30, 374 yards. I don't know how many quarterbacks are in quarter, uh, top that this weekend. And on the other side, Tyrod Taylor, uh, a little bit less at 297 with three deep TD passes. And, of course, he factors into the running game. He lugged the ball twice for 25 yards. Uh, maybe they need him to run the ball and scramble a little bit more. Uh, in terms of the rushing game, two guys that I really like on both sides of the ball here. Matt Forte, 30 carries for 100 yards. This guy still... That was his career game, I yeah. mean, as, as far as uh, touchdowns and carries are concerned. Yeah, but this guy has been a fantasy stud for a couple of years, John, at least in a row. I've had him on my fantasy squads, and he's rewarded me handsomely. And he's in another environment where he's going to be used a heck of a lot. He factored into the passing attack as well with two receptions for nine yards. We'll expect more from him in that regard more often than not. And on the other side of the ball, LaShawn McCoy is a guy that will carry the mail for the Bills uh, to see how far they can go. He carried it for 15 times for 59 yards and then also collected four balls in the receiving with 31 yards in the attack. And uh, any other guys you want to highlight there? Uh, Goodwin, of course, had a couple of, uh, one big catch and then Salas had another one. They two bombs that, uh, that worked out very well. Well, Goodwin's not a guy that I'm really going to rely on. Like, yes, it was incredibly impressive that he ran, uh, I think he topped out at like 22 miles an hour, which is faster than Billy Hamilton, and he's wearing football pads. Like, that that was ridiculous, but, I mean, he is a, a, a noted track star. Um, I'm officially worried about Sammy Watkins. I'm officially worried about him. Uh, I kind of stayed away from him in season long because I was worried about the foot a little bit and just worried about the offense. The offense seems to be imploding with him just kind of being a non-factor. I think he only had two catches last night. Uh, on the other side of the coin, uh, I think that Forte has been awesome. He's, play, he's paying incredible returns, especially if like if you went really heavy receiver uh, early in your drafts, uh, for instance, and then just kind of waited and got Forte in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, you know, obviously you're looking like a genius right now. Uh, I'm not sure that it's going to last to this extent. I think Powell will, you know, start getting a little bit more carries because, I mean, you can't ride a, a guy like Forte who's, I believe, on the wrong side of 30. You can't expect him to get 30-plus 30, 30 touches every week. 
Um, and I don't think he's going to be the, the pass-catching threat that he was in Chicago. It's just a different offense. Um, I will say that Fitzpatrick was unbelievably impressive. Um, I think he topped his, his uh, passing total on uh, balls thrown 15 yards from the line of scrimmage. Uh, in two games last year against the Bills, uh, he surpassed it in one game last night. I mean, uh, somebody on Twitter said, and I, I think it summed it up perfectly, every throw from Fitzpatrick in the second half was, was a heat check throw. I mean, it was just like, you, you know, it was like the equivalent of Steph shooting it from, you know, like 35 feet out and swishing it. It was just unbelievable. He's got, he's got receivers that I think uh, are somehow somewhat underrated. And uh, he's definitely using them to, to his advantage. I mean, he's just thrown it up there, and they're just bigger and stronger. Well, so, I mean, it's just working out. Exactly, John. And I want to highlight one guy in the receiving core. Of course, we've spoken about Decker and Marshall. They each caught six balls for over 100 yards. But then you can add to the mix Quincy Inunwa, who is in his yes. second year, and he also caught six balls to add to some diversity in that offense. That's a pretty nice three-wide receiver set. As they talked, they collected over 300 yards between the three of them, and you wonder if Inunua is going to factor into the offense as much as he did in week two going forward. What's your sense in that sense? Yeah, I think, I think he absolutely is. I think a, a lot of people are starting to buy in on him. I think last night sort of confirmed what we saw last week, which is, which is always an important thing. You know, week one, uh, things can be so skewed one way or the other. You know, people can hit the panic button on guys that don't necessarily need to be worried about, or people can get like way overexcited about someone who you know might might not end up being all that good. But Anunwa to do this two weeks in a row, very impressive. Uh, I think he got a little bit banged up in the second half last night, but hopefully it, uh, he'll end up being okay. And then. You know, with that, if they're going to be chucking it like that, you want a piece of that receiving core. And, and, and then what I assume is, is definitely out there on waiver wires. Uh, so he's a guy that I would target in season long if you need some uh, receiving help. I think he's going to be a legit uh, number three receiver for them. And then one more look at the Buffalo stats. Uh, Clay, uh, Charles Clay, five balls. He led the pass receiving brigade with five catches, 27 yards. Didn't really stretch the defense. And neither did... Uh, anybody else for that matter. Your concern about Watkins is well stated. Are you concerned about that? Do you see Clay being a guy who may step up and take some of the, the, the targets away from Watkins going forward? Uh, not necessarily. I'd, there's just not a whole lot on that Buffalo offense that gets me very excited right now. I mean, uh, aside from McCoy, there, there's really nobody I want. Uh, I, don't, I don't really want any part of Marquise Goodwin if I, if I can avoid it. Uh, I just think that the, it's we're looking at a long year for the Bills offense, especially if Watkins can't get right. And obviously, with a foot injury that requires time to heal, and it's going to be sore regardless because he has a darn screw in his foot. Um, it's, I mean, it's going to be hindering him pretty much the whole season, I would imagine. So it's just hard for me to get excited about anybody. And, you know, I understand that there, there will be a complimentary... Uh, you know, kind of balancing act. Uh, less targets for Watkins means more targets for somebody else. I'm not sure that, that Clay necessarily moves a needle so much for me, even though he did uh, lead them in receptions last night. Uh, you know, 25 yards. Uh, you know, that's not very. That's not very exciting. Yeah, that's well down the list, no question. In any case, let's continue with uh, our show, and we'll focus on kickers now, John, just to complete. The, the show cycle for this week, uh, we've covered all the other positions in previous pods, and I hope that our listeners have had a chance to listen into them. Some great work by us and our peers, if I can tout that for a moment. Uh, <laughs> do you sp- see any striking value plays at the kicker position? Uh, just taking a look at our, at our value report uh, this morning, 
uh, Goskowski, I know he's the most expensive guy uh, for the Patriots, and usually it's hard to squeeze value out of out of your highest priced option at a given position. But I mean, his his value is is a whopping. It's like well over three. It's three point two seven. So he's projected uh, by our count to have seventeen Fanduel points. I mean, that's like that's almost like locking in uh, before you even knew it. The uh, like the Vikings defense last weekend, and that that shifted. Uh, the slate entirely. People that, that were on the Vikings had their defense, uh, were cer- certainly buoyed by them. Uh, I know that I had the, the uh, 49ers defense last weekend, and they, you know, by shutting out the Rams, they helped me get into the cash when I definitely wasn't in the cash heading into Monday. So this is this is a situation where you, you really need to gain an edge. Uh, and, and this is a situation where Goskowski is projected to have six more points than any other kicker. I think, you know, there are ways to where we can go ahead and fit in Goskowski, even if he is the most expensive kicker. Um, and then uh, on the other side of the coin, I think that uh, your guy Dan Bailey, uh, he should have several opportunities when, when your offense stalls out against the Redskins. So <laughs> There's I think a backhanded compliment. Nice. <laughs> well, I'm going to take a look at a couple other guys. Uh, in fact, one of them will be in my lineup later in the show, and that's Gano for Carolina at 4900 bucks. The Panthers, I think, could run up a big score in their home opener. They got some wounds that uh, were opened again in the Denver tilt, and I think... Uh, their opponent on uh, this Sunday is going to pay for that, I think, in a, in a route. And I also like Catanzaro to be part of a big win at home for the Cardinals against Tampa. He's going to cost you, though, uh, another guy that's on the higher end of the kickers. So, uh, Why couldn't he make, make that, that kick, kick last Sunday night? night? I was so upset. <laughs> yeah, everybody hates the, uh, the Pats, don't they? So you want to see that happen as often yeah. as not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like uh, last week, we'll continue with the Pats a little bit as we go around uh, some of the latest news and notes. There's some uh, lingering uncertainty around uh, one uh, Gronkowski at tight end. What's your sense? Uh, last, this time last week, you kind of started to feel like a little bit funky about what was going on with Gronk. Like, things just seemed a little bit off. And then obviously a little bit later on in the afternoon, uh, it came out that he wasn't traveling with the team. And then, you know, inevitably Shefty tweets out, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's been ruled out officially. Um, this week, I'm not sure I, I get that same sense. I, I feel like he is going to be able to play. I know that he was uh, quote-unquote limited uh, in Thursday practice or had a limited workload, what have you. Um, I just don't see where Gronkowski is going to miss the first two games of the season, especially in a time where they, where they need him, uh, you know, when Brady's out. I think, think that he is going to be able to come back and play this week. Uh, I think, he, you know, it's a pretty tough matchup. The Dolphins always kind of tend to play the Patriots uh, tougher than pretty much anyone else in that division. Uh, but, and you know, he's got to go against, like, a guy like Rashad Jones, you know, talented safety. But, you know, I think Gronk is going to be able to get his. I, I don't think that there's any way that, that he's he's able to be stopped. He might get slowed down a little bit, but I think he, he finds the end zone this week. I do think he plays. Uh, I do think he scores. All right. And uh, looking around the other storylines, uh, in terms of other big names in the news or key roster changes, there may not be any bigger than what's happened in Cleveland with RG3's injury that's going to keep him out for a while. Josh McCown is now in at starter. But we're talking about the lousy Cleveland Browns, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we are. But we're also talking about a Ravens team that... Uh, I don't know. I think is 
is a little bit banged up and, and a little bit unproven. I, I don't know what the Bills' offensive game plan was last week that kind of allowed Baltimore to shut them down to like 160 total yards. Uh, I don't see that happening uh, this week up in Cleveland. Uh, McCown gets a start at home. Uh, McCown last year against the Ravens, as, as I uh, regrettably remember, he went 36 for 51. 457 yards and two scores. I mean, I remember that as the McCown game or the Gary Barnage game, uh, depending on how you look at it. Barnage obviously had that crazy between-the-legs catch that, that I think gave me an aneurysm. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think McCown, you know, like, I think that McCown, like, McCown's presence this week definitely bumps up Barnage's value. Um, I think McCown's going to have a serviceable week. I don't think he's going to necessarily shred the Ravens to, to that extent, but I, I do uh, think that he, he has a knack for, for burning them a little bit. Uh, even when he was on the Bears, he burned them. So I, I think that McCown is, is a potential flyer in, in DFS this week on FanDuel. Yeah, looking around the web, there's a lot of people that share your opinion. I'm going to go on the other end of that equation and say that he flops like a like uh, the worst belly flop swimmer you've ever seen in a diving contest, and, and your team's going to come away with an easy win. I'll call that for you to make you feel a little bit better. All right. uh, a couple of guys in Seattle that uh, bear some watching. Thomas Rawls uh, looks to be number one on the uh, running game chart, and Jimmy Graham uh, got some more reps in practice. He caught one ball last week in very limited snaps, but I think he's going to get a little more playing time. What do you think about both these players? Um, I do like Rawls, and I think the Seahawks are going to lean on the run game a little bit uh, this week because, you know, Russell Wilson, he is going to play, but he, he's dealing with a bit of a high ankle sprain, so he's not going to be able to, to move around and kind of execute the passing game like we're used to seeing at least this week. And the Rams always play uh, the, the Seahawks pretty tough, but I think Rawls is going gonna, is gonna to do fine, but I don't think that that means that, that – uh, Christine Michael necessarily disappears from the game plan. You know what? I don't see why. You know, when you have two guys of pretty much equal talent, why you wouldn't just use both of them around the sit? You know, just kind of like ride the hot hand uh, type of scenario. So I'm probably for for the purposes of daily this week. I'm probably staying off of both of them. I think that Rawls probably ends up having the bigger day, um, but My- Michael's going to have enough of a presence to where. Um, it's not going to. Rawls isn't going to be able to hit that full ceiling that you would hope to see out of him. As for Graham, I know you mentioned that he only had uh, one catch last week, one target. I think I'm a pretty noted skeptic on uh, on Jimmy Graham. Where you know I know he's going to play, but is he going to be Jimmy Graham? Uh, and you know this, this is a situation where you know maybe maybe we start to see uh, him trending in the in the right direction. I thought that uh, McDonald. Uh, and, and Selleck for the 49ers last week looked pretty good, uh, you know, against that Rams, uh, like, safety core. So, you know, maybe this is a situation where, where Graham can kind of uh, start to get on track here. Uh, you know, you're obviously a little more optimistic than I am about him. I'm probably going to keep playing the wait-and-see game on, on Graham until I see something that, you know, that, that warrants him getting into my lineup personally. Uh, so I'm probably going to stay off in at least one more week. You know what? I share that sentiment. I've, I've got him on my roster in our Vegas league, as you know, and you alluded to there with your comment. But I'm going to go with the, my other guy there. I'll reveal a little bit more about that later in the show. Um, let's also take a look at uh, a guy that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on. That's Des Bryant, another guy who had one catch out of eight targets uh, for only five yards. One of five in the targets thing with eight yards gained last week. 
Uh, do you expect him to break out this week, or is he in another bad matchup with the, an over-under kind of coverage, two-on-one? This is, this is definitely the, one of the biggest things I'm watching for, because Dez is a guy that I, that I have in a, in a, a lot in my season-long leagues. And so Romo being out, and as you know, as a, as a Cowboys fan, you know, like Dak... He's a good player, but he's, he's having some growing pains, obviously. That, that was pretty apparent. I think people probably jumped a little bit too much to conclusions after last week because I think the Giants' defense is more improved than people give them credit for. But at the same time, Dez catching one out of eight passes is just like a complete aberration to me. Uh, and then you, you look at this matchup this week, going against the Redskins. Obviously, the, the headliner there is Josh Norman. We saw what the what the Steelers were able to do. They just, you know, kind of used their brain and were like, all right, we'll just put Antonio Brown on the other side of the field. And, and you know, obviously it paid massive dividends. I don't, I don't think that, that Dez is quite the same receiver as Brown in the sense of you can kind of stick him uh, wherever you want alignment-wise. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, where he lines up. I haven't seen uh, Dez's alignment heat map from last week to, to really make a judgment call on if he's going to be facing Norman 80, 90 percent of the time or just barely seeing him at all. Um, but I think regardless, uh, Dez shouldn't have a ton of trouble. It's, it's really a matter of Prescott getting him the ball and placing it correctly. Um, I don't think that there's going to be another situation where he, where he only catches one out of eight targets. I think there's a bounce back from where he was last week, but I'm, I'm not sure that it's a monster game that we're used to seeing from Dez either. You know, I have in the back of my mind a great fear that he's going to throw a sideline tantrum if he doesn't have a big game, and that could really set Prescott back away. So Ooh, I'm, yeah, really I, I'm envisioning reasons. that right now. Yeah, there's multiple yep. reasons why he needs to come up big just for himself and for the team's psyche. Uh, we don't need that early on in, in the Prescott era as Cowboys fans, uh, at least me and my friends anyway. Uh, I passed on Jordy Nelson of the Packers in week one. Did you see enough in his game to feel confident that he's back? Well, uh, role-wise, he certainly is. You know, he led the team in targets. He, he scored a touchdown and caught six passes, only for 32 yards, though. And obviously, we th- when we think of Jordy, we think of... It, it, one of the best uh, deep threats in, in the game. You see him just, you know, like Rodgers airing it out, and then all of a sudden uh, you see Jordy kind of running out, running under it and into the end zone. Didn't really see that last week. Um, so for him to only average just a hair over five yards of catch is a little bit odd to me. Uh, it's it's a bit of an eyebrow raiser. I'll put it, I'll put it that way. So I mean, you have to wonder it. He's back, but is his explosiveness not 100% back? Like, I feel, feel like his health and his role are where you want him to be overall, but maybe he doesn't trust the knee to the extent to where he's just blowing past guys. Um, so I'm a little bit, uh, like, peckish on, on using him this week, and it, I don't think that the, I'm going to use much in the way of Packers going against that Vikings defense. Obviously, I know that the Vikings defense was buoyed by a couple of touchdowns last week, but I think, you know, you take those away, they still have a very, you know, solid defense that, that I think should be able to slow down uh, the Packers just a little bit. So I'm probably leaning away from Jordy this week. Well, and at, back at the tight end position, I'm looking at the situation in Philadelphia where Zach Ertz went down with what looks like a long-term injury. When they list a guy as week-to-week, that's not very promising, John. Right. Brent Selleck moves back into that starting tight end role. He's not noted as a pass-receiving guy in, in the Ertz uh, mold more of a run blocker, but do you like this matchup against the Bears to see if he gets any targets at all? Well, the, Bear, the Bears' secondary certainly isn't what it used to be. Um, 
And you, you look at the at the distribution last week. Uh, Zach Ertz had, I believe, like seven targets. Uh, so Selleck should get you know get a, a slight target bump. But I think that those targets in general get redistributed to a guy like Jordan Matthews. I think Ertz being out definitely helps Matthews because Matthews kind of plays uh, as like a big slot receiver essentially. You know, he's he's inside, so he can he runs the kind of routes that that make him a, a bit of the the security blanket, like you mentioned before the show. Um, so I think that, that this really, but like Ertz's absence bumps up Matthews than it than it does more for Selleck for me. But I mean, I guess if you are really really hungry at at tight end, really need something, uh, I think that that Selleck could be like a decent, you know, like based on matchup type of type of play. Uh, I think this would be a weekend where you could use him and justify that going against the Bears secondary. I'm sorry, um, but. You know, I'm not. I'm not overly excited. I don't think that Selleck just becomes Ertz just because Ertz is out. All right. Well, these are a few of the late-breaking developments that we found this week, and uh, there's plenty more information of that sort on the RotoWire website. We urge you to check it out for the latest breaking news. And in the meantime, we also want to give a nod to our friends at FanDuel, where fantasy foot for fo- fantasy football fans, the wait's over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back, and this year it's better than ever. It's not just a new season at FanDuel, it's a new era. They've upgraded your entire experience with real improvements for everyday fans, and they believe you deserve to experience everything sports has to offer, which makes you sports rich. Try the new FanDuel now. Just pick your team, stay under the salary cap, and have all the fun that fantasy has to offer. If you're new to the game, play in a beginner contest to learn the ropes. If you have a dollar, there are games for as low as a dollar. There's 50-50 contests where the top half win cash, or you can settle a score with a friend. In FanDuel's brand-new friends mode, it's a season-long fantasy football with weekly teams, plus new features ensure a fair and level playing field for all. Now, I I love the FanDuel experience in the baseball season, but I'm really excited about the NFL, too, where I get to make a new lineup every week, John, and and, uh, we learned a lot from week one. Are there any tweaks to your week two strategy based on what you saw in that free first week of the games? I think it's a, I think I'm going to make a little few more lineups with, with more of a stack mentality. Um, you know, obviously, if you if you went with like the uh, if you went with like a Saint stack last week with Breeze and Cooks, Breeze and Sneed, or all three of them, I mean, you you uh, just locked up a ton of points right there. So I think that that's kind of an intriguing way of going about things. Um, so I'm going to go for that a little bit this week. And you, you'll see when, when we're uh, kind of constructing our lineups, uh, which team I, I feel very comfortable uh, stacking up with. Well, it is a lot of fun. And we remind uh, our fan- friends that FanDuel has a chance for all of us to have all the fun that football has to offer, have all the fantasy football has to offer as well. FanDuel, be sports rich. There's a special offer right now for new users. You get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, John, it's time for our FanDuel lineups. We put our money where our mouth is. And I know even our fellow co-hosts listen to this segment for tips. So we'll start with our quarterback picks. Uh, Who do you like at the QB position? This one's a bit of a chalky one, and uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not being bashful about who I'm stacking up with. Going with the Giants, going with Eli Manning, starting us off here, uh, 8,100, so, you know, not 
not insanely expensive, in my opinion. Uh, so this matchup is just insanely good. He's at home. He's going against the Saints. If, if we remember last year, like probably the most profitable single game in, in, in FanDuel last season was if you, if you really loaded up on the Giants-Saints game. Uh, I mean, there's, there's just, it was just defense optional, essentially. Um, I'm not saying that it's going to be the exact same this time around, where, where you know, Manning threw six touchdowns, went uh, through for 350 yards, completed over 70% of his passes uh, in, the, in the Superdome. I don't think it's going to be quite to that extent. But I think if, if week one taught us something, it's that the Saints' uh, defense didn't get any better and the Giants' defense got a lot better. So I think that the that the Saints are going to get absolutely toasted, especially now that they're on the road. Um, I think that, that Manning is, is a good way of kind of getting uh, your action at this game. Uh, so I'm going to start off with Eli here. Well, and I'm going to counter that with another gunslinger. Matt Ryan of Atlanta, but for 7900 bucks, he goes into Oakland. When a guy with a big arm like his and some quality deep threats line up opposite a defense that surrendered a league-high 419 passing, passing yards, including nine passes for, that resulted in over 20-yard gains. I expect a huge game from that quarterback. So Matty Ice comes into this one after a very impressive opener as well, where he hit on 27 of 39 for 334 yards and two scores last week. I expect similar totals and maybe even a, another TD pass or two from him in this matchup, John. Then, let's move over to the uh, running back position. Give me a couple of names that you like back there. I'm going on the, on the cheaper side of things with my running backs this go-around. Uh, first off, uh, Ryan Matthews, 6,300 against Chicago. He hit pay dirt last week. Um, you know, the, let's see here. I mean, he, he looked pretty good against the, against the Browns defense overall. I think this is a, this is a nice matchup. Uh, obviously, the Bears uh, were, were kind of burned on the ground. Uh, by Lamar Miller last week, uh, and, and you know Matthews—he's only 6,300, so he's priced in the same uh, tier as guys like Thomas Rawls, Matt Jones, Carlos Hyde. Um, and then I think that the the thing to really pay attention to with Matthews was, was the opportunities. He got he got 22 carries. No one else on the team had had more than five carries, I don't believe. Uh, so obviously he is without question the lead back there. I, I think he's going to get. Through necessary 20 touches, and you really, uh, when we're talking about upside for, for a player, especially a, a player of in this tier, you really want to make sure that, that role is locked in um, more so than more so than the other players around him. So I think that Matthews is is the play in that regard. And then moving down the list, I, I got uh, same price. I got Rashad Jennings, or Rashad Jennings, uh, 6,300, going against New Orleans. Uh, same thinking as Matthews in terms of price. Same thing as Eli in terms of just getting uh, as much, as many pieces of this game as I possibly can. Uh, New Orleans was gashed for 6.4 yards per carry last week uh, by the Raiders. I, I could see the Giants uh, getting a lead here and then just kind of riding out Jennings. Uh, throughout the rest of the way. Uh, some running backs I'm probably going to avoid. Uh, TJ Yeldon. Uh, I know that uh, Chris Ivory is probably not going to play again this weekend, but I mean, Yeldon only ran for, what, 1.9 yards per carry last week? That's, that's embarrassing. Like, you just can't make people miss. So, so uh, I'm definitely staying away from him. And then uh, one other guy I think like could be interesting uh, in, a, in a GPP type of format would be Carlos Hyde. Um, because everyone's kind of going to be completely off the 49ers this week. Understandable, you know, going across the country uh, to play a, a game that's, you know, 10 a.m. via their body clock, uh, going against the Panthers defense, it's tough. 
but the Panthers gave up five, 5.1 yards per carry last week. Uh, obviously, uh, I think that the, that the Broncos have an excellent offensive line, and, and C.J. Anderson looked really good. I think he was a big reason as to why they gave up so many yards on the, on the ground per carry. But, you know, Hyde's not going to be owned by anybody, and he's, he's the lead back. The Niners are going to run the ball. I think he might be a guy to, to at least think about, maybe get, like, one kind of crazy lineup going and uh, throw Hyde in there. Well, I'm going to counter with two guys that are expectedly more popular in terms of percentage usage, but it's going to be on merit. C.J. Anderson of the Broncos uh, chimes in at 7800 bucks to me. Anderson is an impressive performance. was one of the most uh, significant outcomes of week one. He split the RB touches with Ronnie Hillman most of last season to the extent that neither ranked as a viable RB1 option in fantasy for much of the season, yet there he was carrying the ball 20 times and catching four more while scoring two TDs against a tough Carolina defense in week one. He's established him, uh, himself as the clear primary offensive weapon in what should be a conservative offense directed by uh, rookie QB Trevor Simeon. I look for the Broncos to focus even more heavily on the ground game in this matchup in a concerted effort to keep the Colts' Andrew Luck staple to the bench as much as possible because we don't want to unleash that offense uh, on any defense for that matter. So I say Anderson gets at least 20 touches and uh, could roll up some big yards there. And of course, anybody who's listened to me on this show in the first couple of weeks has already heard probably all they want to hear about Lamar Miller, but I got to talk about him again for 7700 bucks against KC. You know, John, I was curious to see if this guy could break into the upper echelon of running backs in the NFL. If only he could get a larger workload than he had in Miami. When he joined the Texans, I was envisioning an offense that would give him the ball more than the 15 times on average that he would get it during his tenure with the Dolphins. Well, no doubt he felt the same way, and just look at what he did in week one. He got the ball 28 times for 106 yards, along with four pass receptions. The Chiefs allowed 155 yards on the ground and a 4.8 yard per carry in week one. This looks like a tasty matchup for a rejuvenated Miller, in my opinion. Let's, like go, let's go over to the running backs. John, give us three quick uh, hits on the running back, uh, the wide receiver position. Yep. yep. Uh, I'm starting this off here. Amari Cooper, 7,900. I'm, I'm kind of surprised to see Cooper hanging around un, under 8,000. Um, he torched the Saints last week, and, and his catch rate was terrible. I mean, he, he only caught six of his 11 targets, but he, he was still able to put up, a, like, a monster game. And kind of like I was saying about Des Bryant, I don't think that catch rate uh, is sustainably low. I think it progresses to the mean, if you will, this week. I know that, that Cooper, the, the biggest knock on him it tends to be his drops. They are frustrating. They do happen seemingly every week. Um, I mean, it'll probably happen again this week, but but at the same time, I, I don't really trust that Falcons defense uh, beyond uh, Trufant. Uh, it's not like Cooper's going to be covered every single time by Trufant necessarily. Um, and, I mean, Cooper's too good to be shut down for an entire game, so I think he's going to be able to put up uh, some big numbers. I think he's going to be the most heavily targeted uh, Raiders receiver. It seems like he's kind of taken up that mantle over uh, Michael Crabtree. So I'm, I'm leaning Cooper as my wide receiver one. Uh, then heading back to that uh, Eagles-Bears game, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, 7,800. I mean, Jeffrey was cooking. Uh, last week, four grabs for 105 yards in the first half, and then the Bears just kind of uh, decided they didn't feel like playing anymore. So uh, I think that Jeffrey's going to be able to take advantage this week. Uh, I think I read that that uh, the Eagles are going to be missing Kelvin in the secondary, which I think is going to force them to start a seventh rounder, a, a rookie at corner. And Jeffrey's a, a, a man. He is, he is a large person uh, who is faster than most. Uh, I think he's going to be able to just kind of bully. 
whoever they line up across from him. Uh, I could see him having a pretty huge night on Monday night. And then my wide receiver three, kind of torn between Marvin Jones and Steve Smith, both kind of like the mid-6,000s tier. Smith had the most targets on the Ravens last week. Uh, and he only converted it into five. He had eight targets, uh, five grabs for 19 yards. I, I just don't think that the Browns are going to be able to necessarily hold him to under four yards per catch. I think that, that was a complete aberration uh, along the likes of, of what we saw from, from Jordy a little bit. I think, you know, both were coming week one off of, off of serious injuries, trying to regain the trust a little bit with, with their explosiveness. I think Smith is going to be able to, to convert his uh, high target volume into a much better uh, output this week against a, a Brown secondary that obviously is pretty terrible. Got got cut up a little bit by the uh, by a rookie quarterback last week. And uh, Marvin Jones, uh, heavily targeted guy uh, in a, in an explosive uh, Detroit offense. I mean, he might be the number one option when it's all said and done. So Marvin Jones is definitely a guy uh, that I'll be considering as well. Let me counter then with three guys in uh, almost three different tiers. We'll start with Kelvin Benjamin of Carolina versus San Fran for 7500 bucks. You talked about your stack. Carolina might be mine this week, John. I think he's being undervalued largely because of the fact that he started this season after recovering from a torn ACL last year. In my mind, he's shown me plenty in terms of being fully recovered after collecting six catches out of 12 targets for 91 yards and a TD versus the Broncos last week. He's surely going to get uh, continue as one of Cam Newton's favorite options in the uh, Panthers passing game going forward. And I think he tops last week's output easily at home against San Fran. Then uh, we move down a little bit to 7,200 and find Willie Sneed of the Saints. Uh, I take the other side of this equation. You talked about the Giants. I like the Saints offense uh, as well. I'm a big fan of Drew Brees. And I, Sneed had a perfect day for the Saints in the opening uh, week against shootout against Oakland where he hauled in each of the nine tosses that came his way from the past happy breeze and he, co- he collected 172 yards and a touchdown for all those uh, efforts. Not and, bad. Uh, not a bad day. I'd sign up for that today. <laughs> uh, the, this week could be another good matchup because Breeze has been so good on the road in the past few seasons as a veteran QB who has never met a pass defense that he couldn't shred. I think this combo continues to build on their week one success, and I'm going to love every second of it as they torch the Giants' defense. Finally, Deshaun Jackson of the Redskins. This guy gives Cowboy fans nightmares. It's hard for me to realize that he's only 29 years old because it seems to me he's been haunting the Cowboys for a long time, saving some of his biggest gains for this matchup throughout his career. He comes into this tilt after catching six passes out of ten targets for 102 yards in week one, and that was against the Steelers' defense, which is a heck of a lot uh, tougher than the Cowboys' D, in my opinion, even though it can be colored sometimes. I can see the truth and the difference in this case. Redskins quarterback Cousins should have more time to seek out this elusive veteran receiver, and I can see another touchdown dance. I just hope it's not a salsa like Victor Cruz last week. Uh, I think Cruz has the patent on the salsa. Jackson will come up with something else. I called that one last week, too, though, so I had to to have some fun uh, at my Cowboys expense. Uh, Then we move over to the tight end position, and who do you like there, John? Uh, staying cheap here at tight end, I'm going to go with Antonio Gates. Uh, just checking in at just 5,900. Obviously, uh, one of the worst injuries of, of all of Week One was Keenan Allen. I feel terrible for the guy. You know, he was he's having such a monster year last year, and then he you know had that injury that, that kept him out the rest of the way, and then he comes back this year. Everyone's pumped. Everyone's drafting him super high, and he he, he, he uh, tears his ACL. So now I think the public seems to have have really kind of uh, run over to Tyrell Williams as, as like the, the new 
uh, Chargers, Chargers like pass catcher to target. But I think I could see Rivers kind of just going back to, to good old Gates here. I mean, uh, Ladarius Green isn't there anymore. Uh, Gates, obviously, he's pretty old at this point, not moving around as well as he as he used to. But he is healthy, uh, as far as I know. And uh, he's still got reliable hands. And he's still a, a guy that can go up and win a jump ball. So I think he's definitely worth a flyer. And I think he has a really favorable matchup against Jacksonville. I think Rivers is going to throw it his way uh, a little bit more than, than maybe people are expecting. All right. For my tight end, I confessed on the Thursday podcast, John, with host James Seltzer, that Jason Witten is currently my favorite player in the NFL. So I was absolutely thrilled in week one to see that there is still plenty of gas in his tank after he led all tight ends with 14 targets, nine completions for 66 yards. No doubt Dak Prescott has realized quickly that there is no more reliable target in this offense. The rookie quarterback is wise to latch on to this reliable receiver, and he will be similarly cast in Washington this week, a hostile environment for Prescott in this rivalry game. I see red zone targets going Witten's way, and I wouldn't be surprised if he adds a touchdown to uh, a 60 to 70 yard passing uh, game for his efforts in that one. Your kicker, John, let's move on to the kicking game. I think that, that that Goskowski projection is is just too staggering to pass up. I mean, get, if you're locked into getting you know 17 or so points uh, from your kicker, that that gives you an immediate advantage. And and you know if you if you're going with with some more value guys at the running back spot or or or, or a cheaper receiver, what have you, there's no way that you can't not afford or can't afford Goskowski. I mean, he you know he's 5200. That's expensive for a kicker, but it's not that expensive in the grand scheme of things and if if he is really locked into getting that much production um that gives you a definite edge on the field in terms of uh, people that are that are staying away from him well that's a fine option for sure an expensive one and i'm going to the higher end of the board too with my pick i'm going with graham gano of the panthers at 4900 bucks he and his mates lost a heartbreaker to the defending champs last week in uh, what they were hoping for a revenge matchup a 50 a 50 yard field goal was missed on the last play by gano though and he, he uh, can take solace in collecting the fact that he collected eight points in that game against a great denver team i know the niners for their part, pitched a shutout in week one, but the Panthers boast a deep offense that is uh, stinging from that defeat, and they'll be motivated by the home crowd, so I could see them running up a big score here in this matchup with Gano topping that week one scoring total rather easily, in my opinion. John, your mm-hmm. defense. Um, I'm going to go with the Broncos here, uh, checking in at 4,700. Uh, I think that this is a week where maybe people are a little bit scared to use the Broncos because you know they're going to go up against a, a uh, Indianapolis offense that obviously can put up points uh, in, in very quick fashion. Uh, but at the same time, I think they lost uh, Jack Maywart to a, uh, to a torn ACL. So that's one less guy on their offensive line. Their offensive line is already terrible to begin with, uh, even with the addition of Ryan Kelly from the draft. So I don't think Lux can have any time to throw it. I mean, the Panthers have a, have a pretty respectable offensive line, and Cam still just got absolutely obliterated last week. So I think this is a situation uh, where, where Luck is just going to be beaten uh, to a pulp by Von Miller and company and Demarcus Ware. Uh, it's going to be ugly for, for Indianapolis. I think that, that we're going we're gonna to see a ton of sacks 
And obviously that means points on FanDuel. So I'm, I'm definitely going with the Broncos here. And uh, I'm going to counter. I'm definitely going with the New England Patriots. You changed me. You chased me off the Ravens with your uh, assessment earlier on in the show. So I swapped out, swapped out that defense for New England. And I think you approved of that. They, they for their part, limited the cards on a, in a tough road game assignment. And I think planning at home for the Dolphins should be a much easier gig. And uh, they, they should reward uh, fantasy owners with some big points in that one as well. We wind it up, John. Who's your pick of the day? Got to go with Eli. Uh, you know, whereas OBJ is, it seems like the obvious pick against against the Saints. I think that that Manning is the guy to especially make sure is in your lineup. Just you know, based on his price his upside, his matchup. Uh, I think that uh, the Giants are even looking more appealing now that, that it's not just the Odell show. I mean, Sterling Shepard has already ascended as a rookie. Uh, Victor Cruz is back. Uh, and Larry Donnell, I guess, is, is an all right tight end option as well. So, I mean, th- there's just more guys that he has to work with now. And I think that that spells so much trouble for the Saints. I think Eli's going to spread the ball around a little bit. And I think he's going to get at least three touchdowns. I, th- I honestly feel like that's his floor this week. So I'm, I'm rolling with Eli. Well, and I'm going to counter with C.J. Anderson. I highlighted the fact that he's emerged from the shadow of a of a two-running-back system to be a solid RB1 option, producing two touchdowns and, and a pretty nice running uh, rushing yardage total in Week 1. I think he builds on that as there's going to be a concerted effort by the Broncos to keep luck on the bench and off the field with that high-octane offensive of the Colts as well. So with that motivation, I think C.J. should have another big day. Well, there you have it. Uh, for John McKechnie, you can listen to John and follow him uh, on Twitter, rather, at Johnny McHex. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can find me at Statsman22. And we wish you good luck with your FanDuel picks. Come back to listen to our podcast on a daily basis. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com